welcome again to Co-op Foundation's Future Communities podcast. We're Co-op's charity and we're cooperating for a fairer world. We've created this short podcast series to share what we've learned from launching our new strategy, building communities of the future together. It's for anyone who may be embarking on developing their own strategy or for anyone interested in finding out how to work cooperatively with others, especially with young people. We're doing it because we want to be world-class at learning and we want to share that learning. This is our second episode of three. Last time we were joined by Jamie, Nick and Matt to chat about creating a strategy cooperatively. This time we're talking about creating a vision with young people. I'm Hannah, by the way. I'm the Corporate Communications Officer at Coop Foundation. Joining me today is Andy, Head of Comms at Coop Foundation, also my boss. Asamina, Head of Learning and Impact at Coop Foundation. And Claire. Claire is a young person who helped us create our vision. Claire's got a bit of a celebrity status at Coop Foundation after being a speaker at our strategy launch event. She's also been involved in our Lonely Not Alone campaign, where she helped co-design the campaign and promote it on no less than the BBC. So to start off, if you'd all like to introduce yourselves and talk about your personal foundation history. Andy, do you want to go first? Hey, thank you, Hannah, and thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm Andy. I'm head of comms here at the Co-op Foundation. I'm actually, uh, shockingly, one of the longest-serving colleagues at the Foundation. Been here for just over four years, so I've seen us do some really amazing things in that time when we were, as Jamie said in the last episode, focusing on youth loneliness and running our Lonely Not Alone campaign all the way through to learning what partners and funders should be doing during COVID and through to the modern day as well. It's great to be here, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. And Asimina, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. I'm uh, Asimina. I'm the head of learning and impact. Uh, uh, joined the COB Foundation quite recently, since April, and I feel I'm in a quite privileged uh, position, um, starting to develop a learning and impact strategy, co-designing with uh, our colleagues, the board of trustees, how we approach learning and impact uh, in the future. And uh, having been landed at the beginning of my job, this amazing uh, activity of co-developing the visioning of a new strategy. So really excited to be here and share what I've learned along the way. And great to have you here, Asamina. And Claire, over to you to introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Claire. Gosh, I'm currently 18, but I've been working on different projects like Lonely Not Alone and this wonderful new strategy for the last four years of my life. It's been such a pleasure to see the foundation grow and develop and just get to grow up with it too. So thank you for having me here, Hannah. It's wonderful to have you here, Claire. Um, So Andy, in our last podcast, we heard about our new strategy, And the first part of this strategy involved creating a new vision for future communities. Can you tell us a little bit about this and what it's all about? Yeah, no problems, Hannah. So just for anyone who may have missed the last episode, I would recommend going back to listen to it if you can. But if you missed it, our new strategy is called Building Communities of the Future Together. And it's made made up of three different components. A vision of future fair communities built on cooperative values, a distinctly cooperative way of funding organisations, and a commitment to work with others to increase our reach and our impact. Um, And this episode of the podcast is all about the 
vision. And the vision is really, really exciting and interesting for us. I remember when we actually got the first draft of the strategy through for Matt and the team at ImpactWorks. We've been working on it for some time with our funding partners and with co-op to iterate it and get it into the shape they wanted it to be. I think as a comms person, I, I immediately just wanted to tell the world, tell everyone what we were doing, what our plans were. But actually, we weren't at that stage yet. We had to complete the first step of the strategy before we could release it and talk about it in more depth because we couldn't create a new way of funding and plan what to fund and plan how to work until we knew what this vision of a future fair community should look like. Like say, we're building communities of the future together. So we have to understand this vision first. And it wasn't right for the foundation to decide amongst ourselves what their vision should be. Young people will be the leaders, the pioneers, and the members of these future communities. So we wanted to hand the power over to them to decide what they thought communities should be like if they were fair and if they're built on cooperative values in 10 years' time. So that was the reasoning behind it. It was the first step of the strategy. It was a super important thing that we wanted to do. And it was just incredibly important that young people were leading it. We've always been a youth-informed funder, but we wanted to be a youth-led funder in this instance as well. Great. Thanks, Andy. So we had the strategy and then we developed the vision. And how does the vision link to the strategy? So the vision is what we're trying to achieve through the strategy. So um, we're really linked in with the co-op and the co-op has its own vision of cooperating for a fairer world. That's actually our purpose and that is what pins everything together for us. But this new vision tells us what it is that we want to be funding, supporting and campaigning on in order to build these future fair communities. So it's really, really important. And without that, the rest of strategies wasn't able to happen. So even though we'd actually completed a lot of our strategy work in, say, late 2021, what we needed to do was in early 2022 was to work with young people to create this vision. And it, it took quite a while to kind of bring it together, but it's been an incredibly worthwhile and interesting exercise. Thank you. And Asamina, you were the learning and impact lead within creating this vision. So what were your first steps? First of all, I should highlight that this is not a one person's job. So we were a team uh, from the Co-op Foundation being involved. We commissioned an agency that specializes in youth engagement. And we also got support from Impact Works, a consultancy that helped us to develop our strategy. The first thing I want to say is, you know, the numbers we achieved through this visioning uh, study, when it took place, how many young people were involved. So overall, we got 94 young people aged 11 to 25 years old across the UK who took part in this study through face-to-face and virtual focus groups and WhatsApp diaries between May and June 22. So our first step in this process was actually to clarify what we really want to achieve through this visioning kind of exercise. And I have to say that when this type of study starts, it's not very clear what we want to achieve. So we thought very carefully about the big questions we wanted to answer through this. The second big uh, step was, of course, you know, getting a diverse range of young people so that it's not like the usual suspects, as they say. And uh, we achieved that uh, through paid adverts, through social media that uh, young people use and uh, through our own networks and trusted partners such as Youth Focus, Northeast, Off the Record, Cornell Cobb College. Uh, we ensure that we collect data about the background of the young people so that we can select at the end a wide range of young people, you know, a wide range in terms of backgrounds, ethnic, socioeconomic, abilities, even location, you know, both rural and uh, urban 
kind of located young people. And um, the third, I guess, first step in this process is uh, working with our youth expert consultancy and impact works to co-design the workshops and the WhatsApp diaries. So we chose two methods for this uh, visioning study. One is focus group, which is a qualitative research method that works well with young people. And it is used quite uh, frequently to gain an in-depth understanding of social issues. And we also chose to engage with them virtually and face-to-face because, you know, different people uh, feel more comfortable providing their views in different ways. And the second method we chose, which I would recommend to any funder, social researcher, you know, to use when they engage young people, is WhatsApp diaries. They allowed us to capture data differently from, you know, when we delivered the focus groups. And also we got uh, data that is more thought out because the young people could respond in their own environment and in their own space. And previous research actually has uh, shown that WhatsApp uh, is a successful method for collecting rich qualitative data. I would say these are like the three kind of key things uh, we put in place as we studied our visioning study. Brilliant. Thanks, Asamina. And Claire, you were one of the young people involved in those focus groups. So how did you get involved and why did you get involved? So as Asamina wonderfully put, um, it's so important that we use social media to get these opportunities out there. And so at the time I was following the agency um, on, on Instagram. And so when I saw the opportunity come out and given my long history with the Coat Foundation, I thought it sounded wonderful. I think young people, especially as we get older, we're not given enough opportunities to dream and to share our hopes for our future. I think sometimes it gets quite bleak and uh, being able to shape the strategy, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. That's wonderful to hear and I'm so glad that, that you did join the focus groups and get involved. And when you were actually in those focus groups in the room, helping to create the vision, what was that like? So I was a part of one of the online focus groups. So I did it from my bedroom, (laughs) I think during my lunch after, (laughs) during work. And um, it was really lovely seeing all the new faces (laughs) in the, the virtual space, because I think so often we see the same young people being a part of these types of opportunities, but really we need to make sure that we're reaching out to the communities that are the most unheard when we're creating this long-term vision for our future. Being able to bounce off ideas from the other young people and really get into the nitty gritty of what do we want to see our, our, our society to, to look like in 10 years time? I mean, it sounds great. Um... But, you know, we love learning at the Coat Foundation. So I also want to ask you, is there anything that could have been better in in the focus groups? Being able to to be a part of the focus group and shape where this funding will be going, it's a much bigger deal than it seemed. I think um, for all of the young people involved, it's so important that we really highlight how big their efforts w- would be and, and how long-term that that would be as well. I'm, I'm not 100% sure we knew exactly what was going to happen, so that may have been why. <laughs> so, Andy, you were, you were there at the start of these focus groups, kind of giving as much as you could, 
given an overview of of where these insights would go. And then you kind of left the virtual room and were outside waiting for the data. Uh, How did that feel? All the adjectives, like exciting one minute, terrifying, concerning, frustrating, everything. Just just trying to trying to understand our new direction because I've been at the foundation for a while. We were kind of working on this strategy for a while. We were also waiting as we learned what was happening during COVID. And there was like, all this is kind of building up to this moment. And it must have been incredibly annoying to ask Amina on, on Teams, just messaging her every couple of days going like, is is there like plastics in there? They're they talking about, you know, talking about youth voice? Because I, I, I needed to know because I wanted to share it. I wanted to like develop this and share the strategy. And we kind of knew when the strategy was going to be out but we were still kind of waiting for like the, the meat to be put in it. Um, and I think at the same time, I was working with you, Hannah, on trying to design an, an animation to bring it to life without really knowing anything that was going into the animation. So it was really exciting. Um, I'm glad we waited because the, the results, I think, speak for themselves, to be honest. Totally. And Asamina, you were kind of in that same boat, waiting for the data uh, to come out so then you could put it together and and form something from that. And what did the data tell you? Well, first of all, in terms of the process, we got a lot of data, but also very good quality data. And analyzing the data was also an iterative process. I mainly used thematic analysis, a standard method used in qualitative research. And when we did the first focus groups, they had, uh, you know, we asked the young people these big, more general questions around, you know, their vision of the future communities. But By analyzing the first focus groups, we managed to get, you know, six key themes that came out of the discussions and uh, the following focus groups really uh, focus on these key six themes so that we get kind of more in-depth insight from the young people on, you know, how exactly would the future communities look and feel like, you know, in relation to each theme and, you know, who would they like to see making these changes and what changes need to happen. One was about diversity, equity, and inclusion. The other one was about, you know, having communities in the future that are, uh, you know, healthy in terms of physical and mental health and high in well-being. For future communities to be prosperous and also to provide access to opportunities. But also ask, you know, of course, about sustainable future communities where, you know, we will have mitigated the impacts of climate change. Young people, you know, express strongly that they want future communities that will encourage and support youth activism, where we have shared power and transparent governance. And um, young people were really, you know, influenced and concerned about the living cost crisis, about incidents of violence against women. They want to be part of the change. They don't want, you know, uh, them to be considered as, you know, the future leaders. They want to be the leaders now. For some young people, it was easier to envision a positive future. Some other kind of hesitated and, you know, needed more prompting, encouragement. Some found it quite challenging, I guess, you know, considering the current situation to think, oh, there is hope and there is, you know, potential for achieving a positive future. And, uh, yeah, I guess my highlight is listening to the young people's uh, enthusiasm and willingness to uh, wanting their place on the decision-making table now. Thanks, Asamina. And I think, you know, we've got a real opportunity at the Coke Foundation to take that enthusiasm from the young people and use it as we move forward with our new strategy. And I think we're all excited to do that. Um, So 
I guess Asamini kind of brought all of that data together and then Andy, head of comms, um, <laughs> created ways to communicate this. So could you talk us through the vision, the report that we created and the animation? Yeah, I mean, the vision is is really not any of our work at the foundation. It's, it's all from the young people. It's a 150 word statement of what young people would like to see communities to look like in 10 years time. It takes an element or some insight from Asimina's amazing reports she put together, um, young people's quotes directly, and it copies it into a format that tells you everything about the equity that young people want to see, to the safety elements, to the health and well-being elements. And it ends on what I think is a really powerful line, that 10 years from now, we should live in communities based on fairness, unity and cooperation. It aligns us with the co-op because we are working so closely together on this and it shows what young people really believe the future should be and what we need to be striving together as a society and as a funder to kind of bring to life. So that sits on our website now because what we didn't want to do was have all this amazing data, have all this amazing information and kind of keep it to ourselves. So we created a, a 24 page report that talks about how young people view cooperative values and what young people think society, government, funders, everyone needs to do to bring this future community to life. And the vision is in there too. Um, and that's on our website at cooperfoundation.org.uk. What is also there is an amazing illustration created by two young people, um, or young illustrators, sorry, at an organisation called Pickle Illustration, which is a community scene where two hands are coming together around all these different elements of these new communities to talk you through what it is that these future communities look and feel like. And then the amazing Claire came back in because she narrated a new animation for the foundation that talks all about our vision. It talks about our new way of talking about ourselves. It talks about our new way of funding and it asks people if they'll join us in the journey. So it's all on our website and it it's great because it means you can share learning. It means other organisations don't have to start from scratch and um, do all this work again. That's what cooperation is all about. Thanks, Andy. And Claire, yeah, you are fantastic in that animation. <laughs> you, you do the voiceover and explain our whole vision. And Claire, what would you say to other young people who may get opportunities like you've had to get involved in something like this? Oh, I think my advice would be to make sure that you bring others along on the journey I think sometimes it can be easy to just do all these things and then to not shout out about it but I think it's 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 our responsibility to make sure that we lead the way and then also open the door behind us that others can follow because I think it is so important to show what happens when young people and organizations cooperate to create a long-term vision. Thanks Claire and I really hope other young people hear you on this podcast or see your posts and get involved in similar opportunities and I think we're all interested to know what's next Claire what what are your plans for the future um so I'm currently in my gap year um after a levels before university and I think for me it's about exploring what I want especially being able to explore my creative side and I think right now is my time to explore myself my ways of working and also develop my youth activism as well. Amazing <laughs> and inspiring Claire. I knew it would be an inspirational answer but let us know what you get up to. I'd love to see what the future holds for you. I've got a couple more questions 
before we wrap up, um, I wanted to ask everyone what your highlight was throughout the whole process of creating this vision. Um, Atamina, what was your highlight? I'm sorry, it's hard to follow the inspiring kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> input for Claire. And uh, I have to say, I'm a researcher, you know, that's my training profession. That's, uh, you know, so my my personal highlight was, you know, being involved in developing, you know, how does it look like to collect data from young people, you know, using a method that they use, you know, and what kind of data can you gather this way? So as Claire mentioned earlier, you know, she, you know, was involved in the WhatsApp diaries, did them in their own space, you know, it was really interesting to hear your reflections, Claire. So for me, my highlight is, you know, using WhatsApp diaries, you know, a really engaging method for young people to get rich data for a visioning study. Amazing. Thanks, Asamina. And Andy, what was your highlight of the process? I think for me, it was uh, it was kind of a highlight and also a relative challenge when Asamina gave me the first draft of her report. And I think it was 20 something thousand words long and I had to squeeze it into um, into something like 20 pages. But reading the whole thing was actually incredibly inspiring like not Claire level inspiring that's that's different <laughs> but it was wonderful to hear what young people were saying it was concerning in places where like young people were worried about the future but there was so much aspiration in there as well and so much passion for the future and passion for cooperation reading that through and then trying to make that something that everyone can kind of digest and take away seeing that final report was was great and reading it on the process as well um asked me you know, I hope I didn't take anything out that's too important it was really good I really liked it <laughs> Thanks, Andy. And Claire, what was your highlight? I think being able to see and be a part of the journey from being um, a researcher and then also being uh, a narrator in the animation. And I should point out that both of those were paid opportunities. And I think it's important to, to point that out because it's so important that young people know that when you're doing this kind of work, it can be sustainable and there's so many jobs and opportunities within the third sector and the, the charity sector where you can you can make this your, your full-time job. And uh, I was shouting out about it at an event with uh, <laughs> one of your trustees, George, a couple of weeks ago, because I think it's so important that when, when we say we're valuing the voices of young people that we're actually putting our money where our mouth is. And I was really proud to say that, hey, I was a paid consultant and 93 other young people were too amazing thanks claire because you know the young people are bringing you're bringing your expertise and you're totally right so we've talked about the future community's vision that young people came up with and i'd love to know on a personal level what steps will you take to help build future communities like the ones envisioned by young people um, I think for me, it's um, it's something that we say a lot of the foundation. It's about being humble. It's about recognising our position as a funder is to facilitate and catalyse and do all this stuff for other people to, to take the lead. And I think for me, it's about communications, any communications that we do, putting the young people first, putting their voices first, putting how they want to be presented first so that actually they get across what they think is most important. That's probably what I would focus on initially. And Asamina, what steps are you going to be taking to help build future communities? My job is, you know, around uh, distilling learning and impact. I'm not like, you know, on the delivery front. So my responsibility and commitment 
is to make sure we demonstrate how we can achieve things in progressing, you know, these communities. What uh, other funders should continue funding in terms of good practice on, you know, creating, you know, a more fair uh, community on, you know, increasing diversity, equity, inclusion, improving health in communities, getting the world in a better place. Thanks, Asamina. And uh, finally, Claire, what steps are you going to be taking to help build this vision of uh, fairer future communities? I think right now, one of my biggest focuses is on research. So Asamina, what you've been saying, I completely agree. I think delivering is such a, a big part of this work and, and, and making sure that the, we're actually doing something with the funding, but also getting the research done and sharing that learning with others to make sure that the projects that we're funding are as meaningful and as youth-led as possible. Thank you to all of you for being on this episode. It's been fantastic. Thank you for having us, Hannah. Thank you so much. Great to see you all again. Thank you to all our experts on this episode and to you for listening. If you have any questions about anything we discussed, email us at foundation at coop.co.uk and follow us on social media by searching Coop Foundation on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook. Next time, we'll be chatting about cooperative funding models and learning. We're the Coop Foundation, building communities of the future together.